I need to pass out a few Bibles. This is very sober. These are the words of God that are being corrupted, and they're being corrupted more violently at the present than ever. A couple revised versions from 1881. I just need, I want you to be looking at a Bible that has the corruptions in it so that I can show you a few of them. Revised Standard Version of 1952. The American Standard Version of 1901. And the Jehovah's Witness Bible, the New World Translation. Of course, the New American Standard Version had to be updated. You call it a standard and you still change it. It's called the New American Standard Bible Updated Edition. Who else raised their hand? New American Standard? The NIV. Stephen Eastland Jr. wants an NIV down there. Chris Pates is going to get an NIV. You want NIV? NIV. (laughs) Philip and Joy. Here's the New English Bible. The Modern Language Bible, the New Berkeley Version. You just need one. It'll help you understand what's happening to the words of God. Oh, the Good News Bible. There isn't any good news in it. The New Living Translation. Jonathan and Mark. The English Standard Version. I can't believe the stuff that they're, pr- they're printing now. Every year, there's more. This is a very popular one. That English Standard Version has been adopted by several denominations to be their pulpit Bible. Here's the New Century Version. We're in a new century. We need a new version. Anyone want a new version? one? Down to Leon, please. The Holman Christian Standard, Southern Baptist Bible, 2004. Why do you think it's called the Holman Christian Standard? So that Holman Publishing can have a copyright on it and make all the money from a multi-million dollar contract with the Southern Baptist Convention. You will, you will miss out if you don't have a false version to look at. How about Hermie and his friends? You, want, you need one. The New Revised Standard Version. Which one do you want? It says it's God's Word. The message is very hard to follow because it's been altered so greatly, but I do have several. It's also very expensive. If you want to talk about money making, try to buy a message. It's the most popular Bible in America right now, and you can't get it for less than 20 bucks. Does anyone else need one? Oh, Kevin. Let's see, what can I get you, son? The cotton patch version? Do you not have the I do not have that one yet of the NIV. Here's the story. Joshua, would you take that to Kevin, please? Does anyone else need one? We, we have to go. Does anyone else need one? It, it is very helpful. Deborah and Deborah, do you have one? New American Standard. I know, it's an oops Bible because the cover's been torn off it. For those of you that would like to look afterwards, I did buy some time ago the English Hexampla, which is six columns. It's a six-columned Bible. I bought a facsimile of it because I didn't want to pay for the real thing. It has six columns, Wycliffe from the 1300s, Tyndale from the 1500s, Cranmer 1500s, Geneva Bible, Reims Bible, both from the 1500s, the King James Bible 1611, side by side, Greek at the top. Our Bible is 400 years old, and it's based on 95% of all the extant manuscripts that are available in the world. We have the words of God, and there are efforts being made to take them away from us. Do you three have a Bible down there? Yeah, we, well, I don't mean that one. I'd like for the first half, and we've only got 40 minutes, for the first half, please do not look at the versions I've just given you, but look at your King James Bibles. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Well, there is a battle for the Bible. The 65 versions that are on the table at the front 
are an example of that. Virgins are proliferating every day, and their liberties with the words of God are greater and greater every year in every version that they come out with. There was a time when even the false translations, the false versions, like the New American Standard Bible, would give a literal translation for each Greek word that they had in their false manuscripts. But now, like the message that Rick Warren's Saddleback Community Church, this is the purpose-driven Bible, even though the purpose-driven book has 18 versions quoted in it, it is the Bible of the purpose-driven life. And they take such liberties with the words, it no longer means any words mean nothing. Because it's one man, Eugene Peterson, that wrote the message. And he just put it into his words. And so the careful use of words and the, and the comparison of words within the integrity of the book is totally shot. Right. It's worse and worse. We are in a battle for the Bible. And brethren, I am very worked up about it. Part of my vacation was spent studying this subject again because I have nothing to preach to you if I do not have the words of God. Amen. You do not want to hear what I think or believe. Right. You do not need to hear that and it cannot help your soul. But the words of God can feed your soul. And if you don't have those words, you will be a deprived Christian. Even if you are born again and totally convicted and committed as a Christian, you will lose if you do not have the words of God. Amen. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Amen. And that quote is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, where Moses said, By every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. He's given us His words. Yes. We are Bible Christians. What we know about Jesus Christ and what I taught you this morning is because of this. All the details that I gave you are in this. Everything that I said about the decay of the human body, where is it found? In this. Where? What book of the Bible? Ecclesiastes. What chapter? Chapter 12. It describes every aspect of the decay of the human body right here in our King James Bibles. Everything I said about Jesus Christ. Everything I said about it being a gift and not an offering. All of that is taught right here in our King James Bibles that I taught you this morning. We're Bible Christians and the Bible tells us about Jesus Christ. Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. They could go to sleep at night with a Bible on their chest. They could tie it to their forehead and they thought that saved them. What is saving is the description in the Bible about what Jesus Christ has done for us. We need to defend our Bibles, and we need to read our Bibles. I want you to love the words, every individual word that you have in your King James Bibles. If you read the proverb that I sent out for yesterday, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 19, it said, I have shown to thee, even this day have I shown thee, that thy trust may be in the Lord, is what the verse is about, but it's the words of truth. For your trust to grow in God, you need the words of truth. For you to be able to answer others that ask you about your hope, you need the words of truth. The first thing you should deal with anyone is get the right Bible. Get the right Bible. Then you can start teaching them the words of truth. Did you read, some of you may have, Jeremiah 36 last night, which I recommended, which is a wonderful story about the words of God being cut up by Jehoiada with his penknife. But the Lord God restored them, didn't He? He is able to restore a text from corruption. And He has done it for 3,500 years since Moses and Job penned the oldest books in our Bible. There is a battle for the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, God said, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. There's four words. Thou shalt surely die. What was the corruption? Thou shalt die. Not surely die. One word is added that changes the meaning 180 degrees, changes the meaning 100%. It was corrupted by one word being changed from what the, the, from the devil's version of what God had said. And that little change in the beginning led to the corruption of the human race. And yes, we could analyze Genesis chapter 3. It began with questioning God's word. If you see brackets around a single word or a single verse in a Bible, it's questioning God's Word. Yea, hath God said? Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Are you sure those are the words of God? We have no doubt in our King James Bible, and over the next several Sundays in this second service, I want to convince you of that with an uncertain 
with a totally certain confidence that we have the words of God. And I want to excite your souls about your King James Bibles with the ultimate end being, we read them more. Don't get me wrong. And don't misunderstand me what my goals are. I tell you right up front. And I'll be disappointed if I don't get this whole church reading their Bibles more. But I want you to know that we're going to stand in the King James Bible. There's a battle for our Bibles. It started in the Garden of Eden, right off the bat. Satan had to change the words of God in order to get men and women to do something God did not want them to do. Look at 2 Corinthians, no, you're in Psalm 68. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 it says, For we are not as many. This is Paul writing about himself and the other apostles. For we are not as many which corrupt the Word of God. In Paul's day, there were many already corrupting the Word of God. Let me chase a rabbit. One of the arguments is, the older manuscripts are the best manuscripts. And they have one older manuscript that they found out in 1481, and they first looked at it in 1867, and that's the Vatican manuscript from the Vatican Library. It's called Vaticanus, or it's represented by the, the Greek letter beta. And that's their number one manuscript. Of the 90% of all the changes that you are about to see from the King James Bible come from one piece of paper. There are over 5,200 pieces, scraps, or full manuscripts of the New Testament, and 95% of them back up what we have in our King James Bible, and they'll alter that for one manuscript. 90% of the changes are one manuscript. The rabbit that I'm chasing is, they say the oldest is the best. We believe that manuscript comes from 350 A.D., and they're right, because we know who wrote it, and we know where he got the Greek text for that manuscript. The oldest is the best. This verse tells me that the oldest could be the worst. Because Paul said, for we are not as many which corrupt the Word of God. The greatest corruption of the, of the Scriptures occurred in the first and second century, and there was no more after that as far as the text, because they couldn't sell it. There were so many manuscripts of a true variety that you couldn't corrupt. It was in the very beginning when there were only a few manuscripts that you could corrupt the text and sell it and dish it off on the public. Let me tell you something else. When scribes that had the true Word of God would make a new copy, that one was so old and brittle that it was starting to fall apart because they didn't want to get into wrong hands and they wanted to stay together, they would bury it. When they were done copying it perfectly, they would bury it. So guess what that means when it comes to true manuscripts? There aren't very many old ones because they were buried and then copied and the copies were then copied and the copies were then copied so we have more modern ones, but you can trace all of them back to the 1st and 2nd century and confirm every word in our Bible. Because there's not only manuscripts. There are commentaries in the Bible written back then. There are personal letters between men that showed what was understood to be in the text of the Bible long before 350 A.D. The most questioned words in the entire King James Bible are 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And those, that, those, that verse can be proven from all sorts of sources as early as the first and second century. And that's the most questioned verse in the whole Bible. I want to point out that it started in the Garden of Eden with Satan corrupting God's Word. Paul said it was continuing in his day. And when I come to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17, it says the dragon was wroth with the woman. That means the devil was mad at us, the church of Jesus Christ, and he spewed out of his mouth a great flood. And that woman found a place of refuge in the wilderness for a while. And it says of her, she had the testimony of Jesus and kept the commandments of God. Do do you need to wonder what the testimony of Jesus is? It's right here. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. This is the testimony of Jesus, and it was the persecuted woman that always had it. From beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, the Word of God has been corrupted by men. There is a battle for the Bible. Psalm 68 is where you are turned. Because of time, I cannot read the first 19 verses as I wanted to to you, so I'll read a few select ones. Verse 1, Let God arise. Let His enemies be scattered. 
Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them rejoice. Let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him that rideth upon the heavens by His name, Jah, and rejoice before Him. I began this service with Psalm 138 and verse 2 where God said that He has exalted His Word above all His name. If God has exalted His Word above all His name, and you know how much He protects His name, He says in the Word of God, if you take His name in vain, you will not be held guiltless. Then what about those men that corrupt His Word? They are the enemies of God. And this passage tells me, let God arise, let His enemies be scattered, and let's help scatter them this morning by confirming you in the true words of God. I want to come to verse 11. And I love verse 11. I want you to love verse 11. The Lord gave the Word. Great was the company of those that published it. God gave His Word and the company of men from the time of Moses and the scribes in His day to Ezra the ready scribe in the law of God to the New Testament apostles to William Tyndale who died at a stake in getting us the Bible in English to the present day it has been a great company that published it and they never published the originals. They were publishing copies and translations in order to get the Word conveyed to successive generations. The Lord gave the Word. Great was the company of them that published it. And verse 18 tells us what kind of men He used. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men. Yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. And that is... That is quoted in Ephesians chapter 4 as the ministry of the New Testament church. So we have a New Testament verse in Psalm 68, and we should be able to understand verse 11, that that publishing of His Word and the great company that did it includes our New Testament text that we have in the Word of God. It is a story that would bless your heart. Right. I, I wish I, I... How do I convey to you in a few minutes the fury and the joy that I had on my recent vacation... Rereading the things that I, I knew, but just reading them again about the transmission of our, these words of God all the way to you and me. We're not in a church where they're giving us some other Bible version or giving us a new one every three years and saying, from now on our pulpit Bible and the pew Bible in our church is going to be the new century version. We're not in a church like that. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And we have in our hearts a desire for the true and pure words of God. That's a, th- that's a blessing to be thankful for. Amen. And I hope you're thankful with me. Amen. The words of the Lord are pure words. Amen. Purified seven times. Psalm 12.6 tells us, and Psalm 12.7 says, The Lord will preserve them from this generation forever. The words. The words. We don't believe the Bible is just an idea that men can communicate with their words. We believe God communicated His words. And that would be a whole study by itself. That's why you're supposed to go read Proverbs 22.19. It's commentary that I sent you yesterday. Yes, there's a method to my madness. And there's providence in God's arrangement of texts. Proverbs 22.19 that I gave you. In Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 8, I read this. And you can listen to these words. Isaiah 30 and verse 8. Some of you know the text. Now go. Write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. Does that sound like God's going to lose His words? They think God's lost His words. They believe, whoever has the revised version in here, Brother Bob, you've got one of them. I passed out two revised versions. That was 1881 in England. In 1870, the Church of England said, we need to update the King James Bible and update the, the, the spelling so that it fits more with standard usage. A committee of the Church of England for 11 years corrupted the King James Bible, led by two men named Westcott and Hort. And for the last 124 years, we have lived, the the Christian world in our country has lived at their mercy as Bible version after Bible version has been printed using their false manuscripts and their false methods of applying those manuscripts. You will find there are only two Bibles in the world. 
the King James Bible, and all the rest. Because the things I'm about to show you are true of all the rest. There are no advancements being made in a New Testament. None. At all. From 1881. They put a copyright on that thing for 20 years. The Americans couldn't get their hands on it until the year 1901. And of course, in 1901, we kicked out the American Standard Version. The revised version, the American Standard Version, in 1952, look at back then, it took us 51 years to come up with another one. It was the revised Standard Version. Then in 1970, it was the new American Standard Version. Then in 1989, it was the revised, the new revised Standard Version. And now they're coming up with all this stuff, the message, the book, the story, the cotton patch version, the word made fresh, and on and on we go. There is a conspiracy against the word of God, and we want to oppose it. It's the certain words of truth that Proverbs 22 describes that we want. It's God has chosen to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, the mysteries of life and of the universe and of God Himself, and of salvation through words. This is in the proverb I wrote yesterday, but I need to tell you right now, God could have created a fruit that when you ate it, you had wisdom. God could have created music videos easily. He could have created music videos. God can create anything. God create, God chose to communicate with us by words. Individual, specific words that convey meaning to us. And so we want to fight for every one of those words. And so much could be said about that, but if you go and think about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where the apostle spends the whole chapter describing how God conveys wisdom, hidden wisdom, the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven to men. How does he do it? He says, In verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. It's the spiritual words that God the Holy Spirit has given us that convey the truth that He wants us to have. We live in problem times. We live in the perilous times. Men will no longer endure sound doctrine. What was sound doctrine? The preaching of God's Word. When they will not endure the preaching of God's Word by not enduring sound doctrine, they make to themselves little Bibles like this that read like a novel. You want to read the testimonials about these Bibles that read like a novel. They've reduced it to street language and they don't care about the order of the words or the words that are chosen. They lose all the internal integrity of the Word of God. We live in that time. What is true Bible preaching? And they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. We need God's words read distinctly, interpreted correctly, and applied, and applied properly. And that's what preaching is. It's not an art form. And, it, and it's not some little pep talk of some positive thinker. It's taking God's words and communicating them with understanding to God's people. And every word is important, brethren. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Go ahead and look at Luke 4.4, NIV holders, because it doesn't have every word of God. Luke 4.4, in the Bibles that you're holding in your laps, say man shall not live by bread alone. I'd want to get rid of those words, but by every word of God, if I was changing words myself, I think I'd want to get rid of the second half of that verse. Every word is important. Proverbs 30 and verse 5 tells us every word of God is pure. How important? Jesus and the apostles argued Bible doctrine from individual words. Jesus would argue because Moses, because God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when they were long dead. Moses lived 400 years later. For God to say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... That means there must be a resurrection because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive in some way because God used the present tense verb am. I am the God. Are you with me? I've taught you those things before. That's one of eight. Doctrine is taught by individual words. 
And and in the Bible, Jesus and the Apostle would argue points of doctrine from single, individual words. Jesus later in Matthew 22 would say, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And they gave this and that idea. They said, the son of David. Jesus said, then why in spirit did David call him Lord? Again, arguing from one single word, Lord. Why did David say these words? The Lord said unto my Lord. Now they knew that that second Lord was David's son. So why was David calling his son his Lord? So Jesus argued from a single word. Now what if you change that Lord to son? You're shot. You have ruined the Bible doctrine. Listen, I'm, I'm t- I'll tell you something right now. I am nothing. I am nothing. I'm your servant. I'm the Lord's servant. What I'm telling you right now is hardly taught anywhere in the world anymore. Right. I have given you eight examples that Jesus and the apostles argued from individual words. That is not understood anymore because no one preaches like that anymore because no one cares about the words as long as we get the story out that sweet Jesus loves us all. You know how important the words are? The book ends with this little warning. You take away any of my words, I'll take away your portion of the book of life. You add to my words, I'll add to you the plagues that are described in this book. Amen. That is serious business. Amen. I love the God of the Bible. Amen. I love the Bible that He's given us. Right. And I want you to love all of His words. Are you ready? I'm an old man, and I'm dying if you heard me this morning, but I could still go a whole lot longer than 1 o'clock. Let's just go for a little while here. We're only going to look at Matthew because we have a bunch of quizzers in here. And I'm going to ask some of you quizzers some questions. All the male quizzers, raise your hands. Yes. Okay, Austin, get ready. You holding these false versions, pay attention. Every word of God is pure. Some of these things we've been over before. Some will be new to you. Austin, question. Stand and read Matthew 17, 21. Everyone else should be looking it up in your Bibles. Matthew 17, 21. We want to know what a person needs to do to cast out difficult demons out of their son. Because a man came to Jesus. Matthew seventeen twenty one. What? Does it have verse 22? Does it have verse 20? Well, how do you get from 20 to 22? Is your mother teaching you well at home? What comes between 20 and 22? 21 will read it to us. Is this verse important? Did the disciples come to Jesus and say, why couldn't we cast the demon out? The devil out? You may sit down, Austin. You'd be sitting there a long time if we waited for you to read us that verse. Because it's not there. If anyone is listening to this tape, get your false version and find Matthew 17, 21. If some of you have it in your versions, is there a bracket around it? If there's a bracket around it, go to the front of your Bible and it will tell you that the best manuscripts do not have this verse. And so they are casting doubt on the Word of God just like some other being did with the words, Yea, hath God said? The man with the NIV, and there's four of them in here, was Matthew 17, 21 there? Is that kind of important information to know that there are certain kinds of devils that only go out by prayer and fasting? Here are the words that were taken from the Word of God. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Can you think of a being that would not want that verse in the Bible? Three guesses and the first two don't count. Who would want that verse removed from the Bible? That is so simple to figure out. Is that a, that's Matthew 17, 21. The whole verse is deleted. Who else? Uh, Mark Crosby. Question. Stand and read. Matthew 
Does it have 10? 12? Here's what it should say. You may be seated. Matthew 18, verse 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. I'm thankful that Matthew 18, 11 is in the King James Bible. When you go into a bookstore and you say, I want to get it, the average average American Christian goes into a Christian bookstore. The clerk is no more intelligent than someone working at any little joint. You say, I want a new Bible. I've used the King James all my life. What's, what have they changed in this new verse? Oh, they've just got rid of the these and the thous. All that then is update the language. No problem. It's still the Bible. It's still God's Word. They've just got rid of the these and the thous. Now, we're all intelligent on that matter, aren't we? We do not want to get rid of the these and the thous. It is impossible for a Bible to be the words of God if it does not have the these and thous because thee and thou is the only way to express the singular second person pronoun. Every T in your Bible, thee, thou, thy, and thine, means one person is being addressed. If it says ye, you, or your, it's two or more being addressed. Because that is how Hebrew and Greek express the second person, and there's only one way to do it in English, and it's high English that wasn't even spoken when the 1611 King James was made, but the translators knew in order to give us the words of God, they had to use high English to give us the these and the thous, and they want to take them away? A Bible can't be the Word of God if it doesn't have these and thous. But what they'll tell the poor unsuspecting American Christian is, All they've done is change the these and the thous and update the language. And look at, we can't even find Matthew 17, 21 that would tell parents what to do if they have a very problematic child. This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And Matthew 18, 11 is missing. The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Now, men men like this that are copyrighted, do you know all these Bibles are copyrighted? Look in the front of your Bible, your King James Bible. You can't find a copyright. It's not copyrighted. You can go down to the dollar store. Do you know what it costs to buy a King James Bible today? A buck. You know, you can't get a candy bar anymore for a buck, but you can get a King James Bible. All 1,189 chapters for a dollar because there's no copyright on it. Every one of these Bibles are copyrighted because they're money-making ventures. Now, do you know what? There's verses in the Bible that tell us that money-making, that men who use religion to make money are in serious trouble. Turn to Matthew chapter 23. Where's an unsuspecting quizzer? What version do you have, young Stephen Eastland? The NIV. I think I'd like you to stand, young man, and read me Matthew 23, 14. Because all of us would like to hear it. Is there Matthew 23, 13? Is there Matthew 23, 15? Well, I wonder why they don't want to change the numbers in the chapter. Is it because they're liars? Because their number 15 isn't really verse 15. Do you know why they do that? So it's a poor person that brought a King James Bible to church, and they're reading anything beyond that point in the chapter will not see that there are deletions being made in the NIV. Because the, the verse numbers will still match up the rest of the chapter. If they don't believe that Matthew 23, 14 is Scripture, why don't they renumber the rest of their chapter? Because they still tremble with fear before the lion that you have on your lap. And that's the King James Bible. You may sit down, young man. You'd be standing there a long time. Do you want to hear the words of Matthew 23, 14? Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. That is Jesus Christ speaking condemnation on men that use religion for financial means. They make long prayers for a pretense to be religious in order to devour widows' houses. And that's not going and eating the siding off a house. That's taking her estate. That's stealing her money. By using religion. And that verse is missing. It's not there, is it? Those who are holding the NIV. This is just the Gospel of Matthew. There are five complete verses deleted 
in these translations in the Gospel of Matthew only. Let's get a little trickier. Let's look at partial verses that have been deleted. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew Crosby, what version do you have? The Holman Christian Standard. Let's hear Matthew 5, 44. Well, that's a shortened version of Matthew 5, 44. Do you want to hear the whole thing? But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So see, that one would be harder to find, wouldn't it? Because Matthew 5, 44 is there as far as the number is concerned, but you have less than half the words. Because the words have been taken out of that text. You say, well, they must have had good manuscript evidence for it. Oh no, this is a devilish technique to corrupt the words of God. I have already told you that 90% of all the changes I'm showing you right now are based on... What does this mean to you? That many manuscripts. They worship a manuscript called Vaticanus from the Pope's library. That's where it is to this day. Discovered in 1481, used by Tischendorf in 1867 to come up with a new Greek New Testament, used by Westcott and Hort in 1881 to corrupt the King James Bible. While there are 5,000 plus that back up the reading I just gave you of Matthew 5.44. If every word of God is pure, and man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, if God has exalted His word above all His name, then this is terrible. Amen. And you should be upset about it, and you should love your King James Bible. Amen. Matthew chapter 6. Anthony, you look excited. Stand and read Matthew 6.13. Nice and loud. Amen. That verse, that, which version do you have? <laughs> what do I owe him? Who's got an NIV? Chris, read to us Matthew 6.13. Half the verse is missing. As, as Anthony read it to us, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do those words exalt the Lord Jesus Christ? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever? Yes. Deleted. Matthew 19. Matthew 19 and verse 9. Let's hear it from the New American Standard Version. Either variety. Matthew 19, 9. They left off the second half of the verse where it says, And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. There's more than one way you can commit adultery with a divorced person, and both are mentioned in the King James Bible in Matthew 19.9. By deleting the second half of the verse, you have narrowed the scope of a divorced person in the church and who, and, and who can marry them and what the consequences would be. Words are being taken away from the Word of God. I have eight here. There's a total of 22 in the Gospel of Matthew alone of deletions like that where it's a partial, like a half a verse, is missing. Matthew 13.51 Matthew 13.51 What is the last word in that verse? 
in the NIV. The last word in Matthew 13:51 in the NIV. I can't hear anyone. The last word is implied, replied, precious. The Bible says, they say unto him, yea, Lord. The word Lord, now this is just an example. The word Lord is taking out. I guess, I guess the NIV just says they replied. They replied. But they said, yea, Lord. This is what we call the demoting of the Lord Jesus Christ in all the modern versions. Where just that single word of Lord, where Jesus is owned as Lord, is taken away. In just the Gospel of Matthew, there are 32 of those. Not the deletions, not the partial deletions, but taking away the name of Jesus or Lord or God in elevating the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you think of a being that does not want the Lord Jesus Christ magnified? Is it hard for you to figure out who that is? It's the devil. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. These are even more subtle. I've shown you some whole verse deletions from Matthew, some partial verse deletions from Matthew. The taking away of of the the word and name Jesus, of Lord and of God, 32 times in just the Gospel of Matthew. Question to our number one quizzer. Question. According to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 25... What was the description, the descriptive word used to describe the Lord Jesus Christ that Mary gave birth to? What kind of a son was He? You're answering from the King James, son. Matthew 1.25 reads like this, And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and He called His name Jesus. If you have an NIV, did Mary bring forth a firstborn son or bring forth a son? Just a son. Do you know what that takes away? That takes away the Bible proof that Jesus had brothers and sisters so that the immaculate, the the, uh, perpetual virginity of Mary is protected in those Bibles that you're using. The Catholics maintain that Mary was a perpetual virgin and never had any sex with Joseph or any other husband and never had any other children. When the Bible gives us the names of four sisters and four brothers or so in several places. And here it says that she brought forth her firstborn son, which implies to us that she had other sons. But that single word taken away changes a doctrine and proof of the Bible that we rely on and men have relied on for their lives against the church of Rome in the past. Amen. From Matthew one twenty-five, Matthew chapter 5. Your job is to find the words that are missing as I read this verse from the King James Bible. And this corrupts doctrine. They'll, they'll tell you every single time you go to anyone and ask them about the new versions, no doctrine has changed. No doctrine has changed. The language has just been updated. They've just gotten rid of some of those archaic words. I'm going to read. You find. I'll help you out. There's three words missing. Here we go. Matthew 5.22 But I I hear your pages turning. Matthew 5.22 But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Without a cause. The Bible doctrine about anger is destroyed in these versions by deleting the three words without a cause because those words are there by God the Holy Spirit to justify anger that has a righteous cause. Matthew 9.36 That was a doctrine that changed. In order to please the Lord Jesus Christ, we would want to know that our anger sometimes is justified because Jesus Himself became angry. The disciples became angry. Moses became angry. When sin is in the midst of the camp, we ought to be angry. Matthew 9.36, I'm going to read this and you're to find the word that has been changed. But when He saw the multitudes, 
He was moved with compassion. Now, there are going to be lots of little words changed. You've got to watch closely. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Do you have the word fainted in the NIV? What word do you have instead? Harassed? Because they were, who was harassing them? Beaten down and helpless. Is that why they needed food? They were beaten down? Distressed. All sorts of different words. We have the word fainted. Now, you say, some of those that I heard sound that they, they could fit. They could be okay. We rely on every single occurrence of every single word for the internal integrity of the Bible because we are to compare spiritual things with spiritual. We need the word fainted there so that we can compare it to fainted in other places. Right. Every word of God is important. You, you change one word, one word in the Bible, and you will alter its internal integrity because you will no longer have that word to compare to when you're comparing spiritual things with spiritual, which is what I just read to you a little while ago from 1 Corinthians 2.13. Oh, Matthew 19.16. Matthew 19.16. You find the word that is missing as I read it to you from God's word. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Not a word that changed, but a word that was deleted. Good is gone. How in the world do they make sense of verse 17? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? When they don't even have good in verse 16. Is that... Love the Word of God, brethren. Love your King James Bibles. And I'm just giving you a few. Do you know how many I have on this, in this list? Just in Matthew? 35. Not counting the deletions. Not the partial deletions, not the removing of Lord and God. Just in Matthew, 35 more just like this. But let's go further. Let me read verse 19 to you. I mean, verse 17. Let me continue in verse 17. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Why callest thou me good? What do your Bible say? Why do you ask me about that which is good? Why are you asking me about some philosophy that is a good philosophy? See, they've altered it completely. They took away the word good from 16, so they had to alter 17, so he hadn't called him good. And now it's this the young man is just asked, Jesus is saying, Why do you want to ask me about that which is good? He didn't ask him about that which is good. He said, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And does it call it the good? In verse 17? What is good? What is good? As if he's asking some philosophical question to be answered by man's philosophy. There are 35 of those. The Bible tells us that the words of the Lord are pure words. Amen. Purified seven times right. as silver is purified. And that He would preserve them from that generation forever. And we have His words. The Bible tells us we're to live by every word of God, and that every word of God is pure. We're told throughout the New Testament, listen, minister is told, hold fast the form of sound words. When speaking of false teachers, it says, if they consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words if they do not consent to the wholesome words of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
These are things the Bible says about itself that its very words are important. We believe that God has given us His Word. He said He would preserve it. We believe He inspired it. We believe He preserved it. That does not mean that the King James translators were necessarily inspired, but they were providentially overruled by God to get us a Bible that has the words of God. And we don't care what sources they got it from, even though we know what source they got it from. And it's called the Textus Receptus, which means the received text. That's Latin for received text. There was a Greek New Testament that was understood to represent 95% of all the manuscripts, and it was called the received text. And it's up here on the table, and you can read it. And you can read it in an interlinear form where you've got an English word for every one of those Greek words. It doesn't read very smoothly, but you can read it and see that the words that I just showed you were deleted from all these versions are well represented by over 95% of all the manuscripts available. They've been changed in 90% of the cases by one. God has given us His Word. You have a most magnificent book in your hands. You go into a bookstore now and they're selling all these others. They're copywriting them. They're making money from them. They're making lots of money from them. And you can go buy yourself a King James Bible for a dollar. Every word is important for you to live a successful life. Proverbs 22 and verse 19 said that your trust may be in God. For your faith to develop like it should, you need every word of God. I have spoken to you. Even to you this day, in Proverbs 22:19, the certain words of truth and the excellent things that God has prepared for them that love Him. And those excellent things are hidden from the world and conveyed to us by words that God has chosen, that the Holy Spirit gave, that were written down by about 40 men over an 1,800-year period of time for you to have a Bible. And you have it. Now, we're about to separate company and go our separate ways, and we have a week before us that has 168 hours in it. Each of those days has 1,440 minutes. Do you have a few to sit down and read the precious words of God? Every single word that you read as you go through a verse or a chapter are precious. This morning I tried to preach to you a message from one little verse. And we looked at every word. And every word had lots of meaning. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Every word had deep and significant meaning. And that's the sermon I want you to walk out of here and remember. But I want you to go and read your Bibles this week and feast on God showing us the things He's prepared for them that love Him because He has shown them to us by His words. May the Lord bless an effort to exalt His Word above all His name, and to teach you the truth of God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Amen.